Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. Our world constantly feeds us lies as women that we are not enough. Commercials, advertisements, and billboards on the highway tell us that we are not pretty enough. Weight loss programs tell us that we will never be skinny enough. We're told we're not going to be smart enough, we're not good enough, and most of all, we are not worthy of authentic love and relationships. But it's time to reject those lies. It's time to pull those lies out of the dark and into the light and call them out. Today's letter is a letter to the woman who thinks she isn't worthy. We're welcoming to the podcast Liz and Janine, and I first encountered these women when I saw a screening of their documentary, Speaking to Sparrows, in Kansas City, Missouri. And when I saw it, I knew I had to ask them to, to come on the podcast to get to know them better and just inspired by their vulnerability and authenticity and how much they encourage that in the lives of women. So welcome to the show. Good morning. <laughs> it's really it's awesome to be here. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Oh, of course. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh my gosh. I saw that film and it was like, holy smokes. I've never seen these topics discussed. Excited to kind of delve deeper into that with you. So thanks so much for your work on that documentary. Oh, we're glad that it touched you in some way. Mm-hmm. For listeners who haven't encountered the film and who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your lives as Catholic women? Oh, I know we were just sitting here doing kind of like rocks, paper, scissors on who was going to go first. <laughs> um, sure, I guess I'll go first. My name is Janine McGann, and I live in North Carolina. I have been married to an amazing uh, husband, Mike, and I have three boys. So doing this film, um, you know, a documentary for girls was, um, as a mom of boys, a, a very interesting outlook. Mm. Um, looking at it through a filter, like that filter of a mom of boys, and then the filter of just being a, um, a broken girl. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of baggage in her life and just didn't really have, I don't know, I don't know how to say, like, that opportunity to know that there was a different message out there. Mm-hmm. And so I was... a Raised cradle Catholic, um, really not very engaged in my faith, and I really walked away from my faith during my years in college. Um, when I married Mike, of course, his Catholic ceremony, we it was really kind of punch the ticket Catholicism, mm-hmm. check the box. Um, when we had our kids, we really got very busy. We went to mass when it was convenient. We were worshiping on the altar of sports uh-huh. and children's accomplishments. And had like a really radical reversion back to the faith when my kids were in middle school. And that's really kind of the trajectory that God put me on that really landed me here. That's kind of it in a nutshell for me. That's incredible. I, uh, my name's Liz Sands and I was raised in New York. I was brought up through Catholic school, pretty much K through 12, ended up in uh, North Carolina, eventually middle school. I always say, we are, you know, I, and I got, married. Uh, I was 28 years old. I married a wonderful man uh, named Matt. And we have two children. I have a daughter, Lindsay, who's 16, and a son, Patrick, who is uh, 14. And I was I was definitely sacramentalized and had all my education, but I did not, I was not evangelized, and I was not engaged with my faith. And I, I kind of kept going to Mass, but my life did not reflect my Catholic in most ways, so, um, but I would still show up at mass, <laughs> even though I, you know, might not have been living living a life, you know, that I should have been living. But I, I still went to mass, and um, I 
when I was 25 years old, a friend of mine asked me to be her sponsor. She, her RCIA sponsor, she wanted to come into the Catholic faith. She had not been raised to faith, but everybody in her life that she'd ever met or dated was Catholic, and she felt God calling her to be Catholic. And she said, hey, would you be my sponsor? Because she knew I went to Mass. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if they're going to let me. But <laughs> I'm not really <laughs> probably qualified. But it was a church where they made you go to the RCIA sessions with your mm-hmm. candidate. Mm-hmm. And so it ended up, I went through an, like just intense uh, reversion to my faith and uh, never looked back. I mean, I just changed my life. It changed my life. The Lord changed my life. The experience, the community there, the people that I met, uh, the process of learning and accepting my faith as an adult was com- with like nothing I'd ever experienced. And I just committed to live my life for Christ through that process. I mean, it was a process. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, it was, it was, I had to make a lot of changes in my life. And, uh, and then, came, you know, down here and got married to Matt and um, started volunteering as a core team leader for a church that was starting a life team program. And I just became a core team leader. I'd never done youth ministry before, but I was in a new city, new church and wanted to get involved. And that's kind of how I got. That's beautiful. So you've worked with women, Liz, with 17 years of youth ministry now, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So between volunteering and being like on a staff position combined, it's, uh, it'll be probably 17, 18 years now that's that beautiful. I've been involved in, in youth ministry and also when you do youth ministry you cannot help but be an adult ministry because you end up ministering to the parents right well. right that makes sense and then janine you've you've run a studio focused on women's health and wellness as well and so each of these areas have left you encountering women who don't think that they're enough how did you both get into like the women's ministry side of both of those things that you're involved in and what has that experience been like on your end well i started i've been a personal trainer now for well almost 27 years, which is hard to believe. And what really brought me into that industry is um, I have battled, there's a lot of demons in my past and one of them was an eating disorder. And so I, it's almost like an alcoholic working in a bar when I was working in a gym and that's really how I paid for college and graduate school. And so I had, a there was a lot of, um, dysfunctional behaviors that I needed to relearn. Mm -hmm. And so when I, is I continued that, that journey as a personal trainer. And my heart was, you could, like, I could feel God shifting my heart and really working internally on me. And so about, I'd say, probably 10, 12 years ago now, I made a radical shift. I, I was working in mainstream gyms and was so disheartened by the women I encountered in, in the gyms, in the different classes I would teach as a personal trainer with just this, this self-loathing mm-hmm. and that, you know, the age old lie of the enemy of, I am just not enough. I am not strong enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not fit enough. I'm not tone enough. I'm not. And we just had this really dysfunctional relationship with our bodies mm-hmm. as women. And on top of that, you throw in the comparison trap. Uh, you know, where you walk in and there's no worse comparison trap than, uh, than a gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it was just, it, you know, I just watched women like emotionally destroy themselves in there and just thought there has got, 
there's got to be a different way. There really has got to be a different way. So I decided it like this was right in the recession, like of 2006, 2007. Uh-huh. And I decided I was going to quit and I was going to start my own studio that really focused on women's health and wellness and really starting to redefine um, what it meant to be healthy and redefine our relationship with our bodies. And it was so funny because looking back now, this was like before I really understood theology of the body. (laughs) And there was so much theology of the body that I was doing that I didn't really know I was doing because that's what God's truth is. When you begin to follow God's truth, you don't even have to have like that educational side of it. You just know that it's right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If that makes sense. Yep. And so I just knew what I was doing was right, but I didn't know why because I was unfamiliar with that teaching at the time. And so I left and started my started um, training women and really incorporating a lot of TOB stuff into it. We had certain rules of my gym. The first rule was no comparisons. The second rule was no fat talk. Mm -hmm. And the third rule was you weren't allowed to apologize. Because as women, we often find ourselves um, apologizing for things and we don't even realize it. So mm-hmm. if a woman was trying to do a push-up and I needed to correct her form, I would go over and say, oh, you know, you really need to shift your body weight here. The first thing a woman does is says, oh, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And when I train a guy, it's almost polar opposite. He would be doing something and be like, yo, dude your form is not right. And his first reaction is, what? Really? <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> and so it was this like really bizarre, like dynamic that we do as women, which is just one more thing of like apologizing for what? And, right. and oftentimes we don't even realize that. So those were just like some of the, some of the intricacies that were just different in my studio. There's a lot more, but I don't want to waste. There's just a lot more. So anyways, <laughs> That's really kind of what set me on this path. I'll let Liz tell her story, and then they kind of collide. So I feel like I'm. I mean, I don't think of myself as being in women's ministry. Like I am a. I'm a, a high school youth minister. Mm-hmm. But you're in that. I just don't think it's also just you just kind of find yourself meeting with your your volunteers. I mean, there's like 52 adult volunteers on my team. Wow. So. I walk with them, you know, mm-hmm. part of my job is to pour into my families and pour into my volunteers because then they pour into my children, right. uh, my group, you know, like that's, that's the apostolic tradition, right? It flows mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. from him. So my job is to stay connected to the Lord and keep my cup filled so that my cup overflows into my parents and my volunteers. And then they flow into the, into their kids and their, uh, in their small groups and in their families. Mm-hmm. But you kind of, I think that sort of just was this part of ministry that came into my lap that, you know, when you become a high school youth minister, they don't, they don't tell you, they don't tell you that it's not even in the job description. Not only are you a high school youth minister, you're going to walk with all their families Mm -hmm. and you're going to, yeah, all your core team leaders. I mean, that's, that's really how it happened that I started walking with more and more adults, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. men and women, Mm -hmm. you know, and encouraging you know form a small group and um get involved and here there's here's this great website go re- go look at this and and you know we we try to evangelize our adults as much as we try to evangelize our teenagers that's beautiful piggybacking on what liz was saying and like how our stories collided and then 
really that is what was the inspiration for the film Mm -hmm. is all like I think it's one of my favorite things to do is to look like back have that gift of hindsight and say oh my gosh the Holy Spirit was moving in in such a like rapid pace back at that time and I honestly like I had no clue we were oblivious we were oblivious But really, the Holy Spirit was at such work. So I had always taught CCD. This is what's so funny. So like on paper, we looked, like Liz said, like the perfect Catholic family. Mm -hmm. But we were so far from it. So I always made sure I was teaching CCD since my oldest, Luke, was 21. I started when he was four. And I don't think, I I think maybe I took one year off. Wow. So at that time, we were at a parish. And this this faith formation program when my boys were in middle school was, was... Eh, it was okay. It wasn't feeding them. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to stay very diplomatically correct. And so at that time, we had a neighbor of ours said, have you checked out this parish? There's a woman there by the name of Liz Sands who is doing some pretty incredible things down there with middle school. She just started a middle school program. It's brand new. I think you should go down there and check it out. Mm-hmm. So I went and put my – I unenrolled them from one parish, enrolled my um, – my boys over there with Liz and kind of was watching her from the sidelines and felt a really strong draw to her because she was really authentically filled with, with the Holy spirit. She was. And so at that time we start, I watched her, I joined her core team as a volunteer. And right about that time is when she heard about my gym, my studio. So she started to work out with me. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Stop making that face. You all know. <laughs> that could be a whole separate podcast. <laughs> That's actually good. So at the time she was working out with me, she was in my studio and she would, it was, it was such a beautiful relationship. We started to form this friendship mm-hmm. and this friendship just kind of blossomed. And so she would come to my studio and I would like physically feed her mm-hmm. and then I would go down and I would watch her and she would spiritually feed me. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. And it was like, um, it was a, a connection with another female that I have never, I never had experienced before. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I it was, it's really hard to put an adjective on what that, what that is. Mm-hmm. I often think that that is kind of that relationship, that, that chemistry between Mary and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is just so, it's just so, it's a sacred sisterhood. It's just, like you were talking about, being authentically, you know, go ahead, jump in. Oh, no, I, but I, and I would sit in the studio and in between crying from the pain, look at her, and she would like read these like devotions, sort of devotions, but she would say things about our bodies, and I would be like, she is totally doing theology of the body, but without saying God. Uh huh, uh huh. Because, you know, all the women in the studio, you know, you just don't know where they are. Right. You know, she was being really respectful, but I was sitting there going, this is like spiritual. And is anybody else getting this? Because that's what I'm getting, you know. And so, you know, as our relationship grew, we did, you know, I knew her faith. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just kept looking at all the other women going, do you know that, like, she's basically praying over you right now and you don't even know it? But... Um, so we would talk, you know, we became friends and then um, she started, she started to volunteer on our team and then that, that continued. And meanwhile, kind of on the side, um, 
I had been really feeling that we needed to do some female-only high school. Mm-hmm. And I kept walking with these girls, and it was just the same issues and challenges over and over and over. And I felt like they needed a space. They needed just that one-on-one, no, no boys, just female-focused uh, community. Mm-hmm. And so I went looking for resources. Mm-hmm. and uh, came up sadly empty mm-hmm. in, in really pretty much all faith. Like even, you know, I went looking for Catholic resources. I couldn't find any. I went looking for, and this is probably almost 10 years ago now that yeah. I was yeah. looking. Yeah. And I, I went looking and Christian denominations, and there really just wasn't anything out there that was doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, I didn't want it to be a curriculum. I didn't want it to be a class. Mm-hmm. I wanted it, we wanted it to be, I wanted it to be like conversations and, you know, bringing up tough topics, but bringing, inviting Christ into those conversations. Like I knew had the vision, but I, I also didn't really want to have to make it to mm-hmm. be honest. Like I was like, maybe it's already out there. <laughs> right. Uh, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I found something sort of, eh, okay. And I, I tucked it away mm-hmm. and I was like, I need a team to do this mm-hmm. because I can't do this by myself. Mm-hmm. And, those girl, you know, I just knew that I couldn't take that on. So one day, I don't know, we were having a conversation and I, I pulled out this resource that I had found and I said, I want to do this. Uh-huh. And I think you're supposed to do it with me. Oh my gosh. And so we started it from there and um, grew it from, from that. And we started, we did it the first year we did it it was not ideal, as with anything else. You try it. It was painful. You try it. <laughs> it painful. You try it. You trim it. You change it. Yep. You say that worked. That didn't work. And so we decided that it needed to start from a retreat. Mm-hmm. And so we started our girls a girls high school retreat, mm-hmm. and um, we used that resource for five years. And every year it was painful because it was not really what we wanted, but we wanted something to open the doors to the conversations because that's the hardest part. Right. Right. And that was the, that's the hardest thing, just starting the conversation. But we found that once, if you could get something else to open the door to those conversations, then the girls will go. They'll go. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, and, and women will go. They'll talk. Once you have that permission to be vulnerable. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And usually the permission given to be vulnerable is storytelling. Totally. Mm-hmm. Is to have the courage of just one person to open up that door. Um, so yeah, so I love. I think a really good like description of our friendship is like the analogy of the kite and the string, which you have to have both. Mm-hmm. So I'm the kite, and Liz is the string. She keeps us grounded. If it was not for Liz, gosh knows where I would be. And so well, ditto. And so <laughs> one day I said to Liz. I think we're supposed to come up with that resource. Mm-hmm. And she was like, shut up. <laughs> Not what you wanted to hear. <laughs> and I was like, I really do. I think this is what God is asking us to do. I think we're supposed to come up with the film. Mm-hmm. And she, and so we kind of went back and forth. And we had a good friend of ours, um, Father Dave Pavanka, come to our parish to ask to film us for his series, The Wild Goose. Uh-huh. And so as he was there filming, he brought his the film crew, who a huge shout out, by the way, to 4PM Media and Dan Johnson. <laughs> and um, oh my gosh, the Speaking to Sparrows would absolutely 100% not be what it is if it wasn't for the direction of that man. He's amazing. 
And so he came out to film us and we pitched the idea to him mm -hmm. and he was like, oh my gosh, this absolutely has to happen. So he was like, yes, told us what, you know, how much fundraising we would have to do. And then we totally freaked out. We panicked and we said, oh, just kidding. Oh. Ran away from the whole thing for, and actually for an entire year. Wow. And as you know, when the Lord is pursuing you for something he wants done, you cannot run. Right. <laughs> And so he pursued us hard that year. He opened up so many doors. He laid so many breadcrumbs down that this was what he wanted, you know, to have produced. And so we finally um, mustered the courage to say yes, called 4 p.m. back. Mm -hmm. And kind of the rest is history. So we started filming in 2016 and released it in 2017. Mm -hmm. And now at 2018, um, are getting ready to start filming the guys documentary. So you gotta be careful when you say yes. <laughs> you just never know. He keeps asking. In the film, Speaking to Sparrows, there yeah. is a lot of conversation starters that are like uncomfortable to have, especially for women. I love how you talk about how like vulnerability encourages vulnerability and how this is like a springboard to deeper conversations. So why is it important for women to bring topics like eating disorders or unhealthy relationships or struggles with pornography or abuse or sexual past? Why, why do we have to bring those out of the light? Why, you know, it's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. It's not very fun. So why, but why is it necessary for women? Um, I think the biggest thing, well, a couple of things that come to mind for me is one is that, you know, the, the enemy loves to keep us in the dark. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my favorite film, you know, quotes from the film is Sister Miriam talking about that's what the enemy does. You know, he says, you're the only one that, that's going through this. You're the only one that feels that way. And isolation is where the enemy just, he, he thrives. Mm -hmm. You know, he gets into our head and he fills us with shame, uh, fear, and that keeps us silent. And so we're never free. Mm -hmm. you're, you're never going to find freedom in the dark. Um, and it's, it also is so important that they, women know they're not alone. Mm -hmm. um, and if we never share our struggles, then you always think you're by yourself. And that goes back to the isolation again, you know? There's such comfort that comes. I can't tell you in the screenings that we've done or the retreats and the events we've been doing lately, how many women will say, you know, I had no idea that other people felt this way. Yep. So relieved, they're like moved to tears with the relief that there's nothing wrong with them. Yep. That that they're gonna be okay and that there's hope. And. And when, once that light starts coming in and they're, they find that little taste of freedom that God always planned for them to live in, mm -hmm. it's beautiful. I mean, I think that's one of my favorite things to watch is, oh, is when a woman great. starts to, to unload that isolation, unload, there's something wrong with me, unload, I'm all alone. Right. And when that shift happens, it is absolutely beautiful. It's like rebirth. Yeah. But I, I think too, you know, Piggybacking on what Liz is saying is that as women, you know, especially my age in my, oh my gosh, I hate to even say it, like late 40s, I'll be, um, I'll be 49 in just a couple months, but we almost have an obligation to, the, to our younger women mm -hmm. to be vulnerable and to speak truth because that's really ultimately what is going to grow their faith because, you know, faith is about being in relationship with, with Christ. Right. And keeping things in the dark keeps us in the dark from Christ, you know, and that's really all sin is, is that separation from God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
And if we really, you know, in a day and age where we're looking at our millennials and I Jenners, like literally leaving our Catholic faith in flocks uh-huh. and, you know, saying as women, like, why is this? And I think so much of it is just that, is that isolation that they feel, that being alone, they feel that they're not in relationship with Christ because my generation has done a horrible job at saying like, okay, here's my brokenness. And I think, you know, so much of that is shame. So much of that is we don't want our kids to know that, you know, I did have sex before marriage or I do have an eating disorder or I have watched pornography. Uh-huh. Whatever it is, there's that that shame that we don't want our, our that next generation to know our mistakes. So then we want to hide it even more. Yeah. And there's, you know, then it's just, again, that perpetual cycle that we find ourselves in of still staying in the dark and not having that light and not entering into that full relationship that God so desperately wants to have with us. So in this film, you interview women and they share those moments and they bring them to light and they reject those lies but they're yes. also honored and respected and those conversations are wrapped in dignity that appreciates them as women, which is so beautiful and it's such a wholesome approach. So for women who are to the point where they're like, okay, I'm tired of the darkness. I'm tired of living in lies. I need to share what's on my heart. How can they approach those conversations with a balance that's not, that's healthy sharing? That's like very, like respecting their stories and protecting their hearts as well. There's there's a real battle right now. I'm going to let Liz take this, but I just want to say there's such a battle for our young adults now because of social media mm-hmm. and technology. And I know that's where you were going. Yeah. I'm going to let you talk about that. Of You know, just feeling that need to put all their crap out there. Yep. Um, and that is, the, and that's one of the things that we're really hoping that this film does is to say, yes, we're saying share your story, but people need to earn the right to hear your story. Mm-hmm. And with that comes an incredible amount of trust. Um, go ahead. No, I mean, I, I just think that there's uh, there's healthy ways to share yeah. your story and there's holy ways of sharing your story. And the examples that we're seeing right now in society, for the most part, are not good ways to share your story. Mm-hmm. So what we kind of ha- had hoped the film would do would encourage women to create uh, communities and spaces where it is healthy and holy to share your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really important. We're also huge proponents of therapy mm-hmm. um, I think that yes. you and medication if needed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you um, are struggling with one of you know the topics in the film and it's, and it's to a point where you don't know where to share, then we would strongly encourage you to get uh, some type of spiritual director, mm-hmm. uh, go to therapy. Um, if you're not part of a, a small group, then find one or make one. Mm-hmm. And a small group can be two people. It can be mm-hmm. three people. It doesn't have to be this massive endeavor. Right. Um, and it's just the, there's, you know, there's so few good examples of That's so true. healthy, good ways of sharing your story. And social media is not it. Yep. So true. So, I think our, you know, our vision, our hope. So we, we normally use the film to, to spur an entire weekend where we spend two days unpacking all the topics and the people that watch the film are in a small group for the entire weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's time where we pray together. It's time where we sign a covenant that talk about like, that talks about confidentiality and trust and honoring each other and respecting each other and being good listeners you know, so we, we kind of get to create this perfect space for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, been really hard. One of the hard things about releasing the film out there is we hope that that people are watching the film within that context. Mm-hmm. 
that it's super important that afterwards there be that solidarity and sacredness to whatever is shared. Mm-hmm. You know, our when we talk about the magic, the magic wand for us would be that a group of women, like you said, you're part of a community. You you would watch that film and then you would continue to break open those topics for months, right? And use the resources that that we created to help do that. You know, there's journals that we created, there's discussion guides that we created that are designed with that intention to create these spaces mm-hmm. that we're talking about mm-hmm. to have really healthy, holy, healing conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I like it. I like it a lot. And then having that that safer space where you know the women who are listening aren't going to you know, go talk about your story to their siblings when they go back home yeah. for Thanksgiving or whatever like that. So like, yeah, having that safe space is definitely 100% key that I've found too in, in accountability groups and vulnerability that I have experienced after that film. So for women who are rejecting those lies, one thing that I've found is that it's really hard to be able to see ourselves as daughters of God. And so for women who are listening and struggling with that, how do you have any practical tips or, or ways that, that they can be able to see themselves first as as daughters of God? Boy, and let's just say the struggle is real, shall we? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's just, it is hard. I mean, it is a daily, it's not just a daily battle. It's like a minute by minute battle mm-hmm. to claim that identity of beloved. Mm-hmm. Because we live in such a world now that's just crushing us. As you know, not just as women, our men feel it too. As a mother of boys, I, you know, they absolutely, they have their own battles, but um, for sure they fight the same identity crisis we do. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is really all about identity. So yeah. we, we see that, I mean, I see that as a mother, right? So last night, actually, I was um, praying over my son and I said to him, we're in the throngs of basketball season and it can take over your life. And so I was like whispering over him as he was going to sleep and I'm, you know, he's 14. And I said, to the, you know, Lord, please help him always remember that he, he plays basketball, but he's not a basketball player, that his main identity is the son of God. Mm-hmm. You know, because it just, it consumes all your time and attention and, and it starts young. I think <sighs> you, you have to pour that into your child when they're young, right. that these are hobbies that you and your grades will not define you. Uh, your activities will not define you. You are first and foremost a, a child of God, a son or a daughter of God. And speaking that language into our children from the very beginning. So like when they get their report card, just say, this is great, you know, but it's not who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, that your grades will change. Your activities will change, you know. Yep. Uh, but who you are at your core and your very soul will never change. Mm-hmm. And our, our, I was you know, just going to say, our generation didn't have that vernacular. Like right. Liz had mentioned earlier on, and um, a woman who we follow, Sherry Waddell, writes so beautifully about this. If our generation was sacramentalized, it was all about the sacraments, but we were not evangelized. Mm-hmm. We were not, I was, I, honestly, looking back, I was not once ever told that that was my identity, mm-hmm. that I am a beloved daughter. God. There is nothing you can do or can't do. There's nothing to earn it. You are so loved. Yeah, nothing will change it. And that identity, like it does, it has to start in the home. And so it has to start with with our generation, my generation now, which sadly does not have that vernacular. We don't have, we haven't claimed it ourselves Mm -hmm. as mothers. And you can't give what you don't have. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why we're why we're shifting, why this the film actually has shifted us a bit more towards adult women because we're realizing like, you know, here we are as youth ministers now together for seven years, walking with these teenage girls and trying to understand why don't they have their identity as beloved? And it's because their mothers don't. Right. Yeah. Right. And so it's, you know, we really have to start to pull back those layers and then say, okay, man, we, as a Catholic church, like we have some work to do on, on our middle-aged and older women Mm-hmm. Of reminding them, you know, of helping them so they in turn can go back and, and pour into their daughters and sons. Like mm-hmm. I love, I love how Liz talks about how she prayed over her 14 year old boy. Right. I mean, that's so beautiful. We need to be doing a whole heck of a lot more of that. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And I don't want to sound like all awesome mama. Like I don't always do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No one heard her light her kids up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's so holy. She prays okay. over her children every night. And, and I do want to say that. Like, I, I really do. I just want to call myself out. I'm too tired to get out of my bed to go to his bed. It's so true. One of the things I think that makes both Liz and I so uncomfortable about doing these is is we don't ever, for one instance, want any person to think we have our bleepity bleep together. (laughs) Like, like I got to tell you, we struggle. Like it it is. We drink. There's a direct correlation between the older your children get and the more wine you drink. That is just, that is absolutely truth. Yeah. But I, you know, I think it's, it's in keeping it like very authentic and vulnerable. Our own personal stories are very intimately woven throughout that film. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really also what sparked this. And we still struggle as married women, as moms. I mean, it is hard. It is just because we did this film. Please don't think we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mm-hmm. It is a daily battle of just waking up and getting on your knees and saying, all right, Lord, let's do this. You know, here I am and I'm not really sure what I'm doing, but you do and mm-hmm. you know, and I got to trust that that's, you know, that's going to what's ultimately going to see us through. Janine's kind of saying, you know, our personal stories are woven in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and we say this a lot. We say it to each other, you know, what might have helped us earlier in our life so that we didn't take so long to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, what might have, what, what might somebody have said or what might have, what kind of community would have helped me? You know, neither of us had youth groups growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so a lot of that, that desire to kind of spare maybe somebody else, sort of the bumps that we took along the way, you know, they, they that's what inspires us a lot of times in decisions that we make, you know, about what we, what can we create or what can we do to help spark these conversations? Because what if somebody had pulled us aside when we were in high school and said, you seem like you're struggling, you know, you want to talk about what's really going on in your life because yeah. I see some signs, some red flags in you that kind of concern me. Let's talk about it. Yep. You know, and that just never happened for either one of us till quite later in life. Yeah. Yeah, I've been blessed by uh, some beautiful friendships with women who have said that exact phrase to me at one point or another, especially in college and being wrapped yeah. wrapped in that why that, you know, I have to have this all together. No one can know that I'm struggling. I'll just put on a mask when I go to things with people so that they don't think that I'm imperfect. And then I remember going on a retreat and, and I just sat there and was like, I'm o- it's okay to not have it together. Like, no one here does. And even women who I totally put on a pedestal and thought, oh my gosh, they have everything together. There's no way they could be struggling with anything. And then they share things about their stories. And it's like, I never, 
Like, I never would have even guessed that. I, why haven't I dug into those conversations with you? And so, yeah, having the ability to, to not have it together is incredibly freeing. Absolutely. So the culture, you, you spoke about this when you were talking about the studio that you run. It's constantly feeding us lies that we're not enough. Like, we're told by advertisers and social media that we're not pretty enough. We're told that we're not smart enough. Um, yes. The industries, I mean, advertisements tell us that we're not thin enough. We should lose weight. We're not good enough. So is how can we reject those lies as women with each other, alongside of each other? What does that look like in a practical day-to-day basis? I think a lot of it um, starts with just awareness, mm-hmm. honestly, and just really becoming aware of what, you know, what you're absorbing in and then what is going to come out. And so really starting to become aware of like, just what you're listening to, what you're watching, who you're surrounding yourself with. I mean, mm-hmm. it does sound so, so cliche, but it absolutely matters because if your social media feeds are nothing but these like fake families or fake couples or fake relationships, which it really is because you're only really seeing, you know, their best side mm-hmm. and you're scrolling through that, all, you know, our, our natural tendency then is to start to compare. If you're not looking at it in the first place, then you're not going to really have anything to compare with. So it's almost like learning to replace that with scripture or mm-hmm. follow like blessed is she, or, you know, all these, there's so many awesome. Right. Nappies. I mean, I wish we would have had, you know, thank goodness we didn't have social media when we were younger, but there's so many great Instagram accounts by strong, awesome Catholic women mm-hmm. right now. Like, I think I just want to unite with our younger sisters and be like, yes, you go girl. Like, <laughs> Change, change that whole um, landscape of social media. But I think a lot of that is becoming aware. The second thing is in my studio, we did a lot of month-long challenges on the lies that we live in. And one of the challenges that we did was for two weeks, which was something called take, take your thoughts captive. Mm-hmm. And so you would have a journal. And basically every time you would find yourself thinking one of those you know, lies of I am not blank enough is to literally take that thought captive, Mm -hmm. write it down and replace it with something that you think God would say or scripture or something like one of your sacred sisters complimented you on the day before. And just really, again, first is that awareness. Second is take thoughts captive. And then third is to replace it with truth. That's beautiful. So for listeners who haven't got a chance to watch the film yet, where can they find out more information about Speaking Vesperas, get information about hosting a viewing in their area, or, or get access to the film? Uh, they can go to our website. They can go to um, speakingdesperos.com. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole um, slew of information out there that mm-hmm. talks about the different ways that you can host a screening in your area. Um, and you can watch the trailer there, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of gives you a little taste, flavor of what it's all about. Um and yeah, that's probably the best site that I can send them to. They can email us directly if they want to. Um, we actually have a nonprofit now called Project Light Ministries. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, Light is an acronym for Letting God's Healing Truth. Oh, I love that. Uh, we love mm-hmm. to be sneaky Jesus. That's like one of our favorite <laughs> things. And um, so uh, we also kind of think twist the word project into project light. Mm. That's what trying to do is project light into the darkness of these issues mm-hmm. and so um you can email us at projectlightministries at gmail.com we also have a website projectlightministries.com uh, so you can check out all that but you can email us directly there at that email address and um 
you know, ask us more information. Sometimes people want to host a screening that's not listed as an option on the website. Mm -hmm. And we're pretty open to, you know, different creative ideas um, about that. We also are uh, starting to film the guys film next month. Mm -hmm. And so just to give a shameless plug, we are actively fundraising for that. So speaking to sparrows was made completely with donated funds, 100%, every single cent. And every penny that's come in from Speaking of Sparrows has gone back into Project Light Ministries to be put aside for the guys' film. Mm -hmm. So um, I know. Please don't anybody think we're taking, like, some wild, exotic vacation. Like, we have not, (laughs) we are not getting zero money. (laughs) We have collected nothing, so. Mm -hmm. So we are actively fundraising. So for, you know, people that want to support the creation of these ministries, they can go to, um, mm-hmm. these resources, they can go to project light ministries and you can donate right online. And that's incredibly helpful because we would love to keep making these resources. Mm-hmm. We feel like they're really needed and we've gotten such awesome feedback from, from people. And everybody's like, yes, you have to make one for the guys. So, and we're just like, that's great. She's going to help out. Right. <laughs> and I would just say as a mom of all boys, you know, if we think, that there's very limited resources for our girls. There is nothing yep. out there for guys. I mean, it is like the Sahara Desert dry for them. Down. It is dry, dry, dry. And they are so, I mean, it's just, it, they're so complex and beautiful, awesome creatures mm-hmm. that they need help. Mm-hmm. Just, just like the girls, our, our young men are absolutely struggling. It is... Um, their identity, I think it's so much harder to be a Jesus dude than it is to be a Jesus girl. Uh-huh. Especially in today's culture, it's not where nearly as acceptable. Just like, you know, it's to be a guy who's still a virgin in this society of conquering women is, I mean, the ridicule and it, I just can't. It, that's again, that's a whole nother podcast. So I, this film for the guys, it's really basically a desperate plea as a mom of boys. Mm-hmm. Just please help us. This film, it really has to get made. Mm-hmm. It does. And we are, we need, we need help. Yeah. You can find, I'll put all of the links that you guys just mentioned um, on my show notes. So if you didn't catch them here, you can click them in the link and it'll take you right to their websites as well. Then this is the final question. This is the one that I love asking women who I invite on the podcast. How has speaking to sparrows and your work in women's ministry and youth groups helped you live out the feminine genius in your own daily lives? The, the first thought that popped into my head is just, I think I underestimated the, the power of healing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, God definitely placed this all to do on my heart, but I did not know that we were capable of doing this. Mm-hmm. Also that it's all of him. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's just so all of him. I, I can't even tell you all the breadcrumbs that he keeps placing in front of us and the right people doing the right things. And, and so it's just this beautiful, like, um, relationship of he calls he pulls if if I pay attention if I'm paying attention and I respond how just incredible incredibly he takes care of us and he just keeps providing and I keep trying to say yes he's just providing it's just this beautiful dance Mm -hmm. um I think that for years I I wrestled and struggled and he would call and I would say call back later Mm mm-hmm or no, not now. And, and my relationship with that sort of power of women together, praying together, living together, walking together, struggling together, um, has really 
been something priceless in my life. It's been a gift, a sacred gift. I think one of the biggest things for me is the unexpected um, beauty it's been for my boys, my husband and all three of my boys. You know, specifically when you're talking about the feminine genius and how it has impacted my life. Mm -hmm. For my house of all men to journey with me through the creation of the film. And I mean, some of the film was like filmed in our old house before we moved. So like the film crew had to come in and like basically take over. And my boys who sat silently um, on the fringes and watched these women, I will never, the gratitude in my heart for their exposure to truly who we are as women, Mm -hmm. I will be forever grateful for. Like I will get super choked up because I think they're going to be amazing husbands now. Mm-hmm. Um, they understand; they have a better understanding for women and who great, you know, who God created us to be. And I never once saw that coming, and I'm, I'm just really blessed and grateful mm-hmm. that the, that they now have a much better understanding and appreciation for feminine genius and who we are as women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you for all the hard work and yeses and, and all that you've done for this film. Know of my prayers for the film for the guys. And you can bet that I'll be telling all the guys in my life about this and encouraging them to visit you guys and, and support you. And yeah, thanks so much for everything. This is beautiful. This has been really good. Thank you for Thank having you us. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it mm-hmm. more than you know. <laughs> really been blessed time yeah, sharing space with you oh thank you thank you thanks so much for listening to letters to women you can find out more information about speaking to sparrows how to support liz and janine's upcoming film for men and how to set up a screening of the film in the show notes at www.oldfashionedgirlblog.com you're going to want to view the trailer for this film it's full of truth goodness and beauty and it's all wrapped into one and i cannot recommend it enough If you've enjoyed today's episode, please take a few minutes and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. The more people who review and rate the podcast, the easier Letters to Women is to find. I appreciate your views so much. And if you'd like sneak peeks of the podcast and exclusive content, you can join my Patreon team at patreon.com slash letters to women. There, you'll be able to help me choose topics for upcoming letters and listen to podcasts before they're released on iTunes and Google Play. I'd love to have you on my team. And that's all I have for today's episode. Can't wait to join you on the next Letters to Women, where we dive deeper into how we're called to live out the feminine genius in our ordinary daily lives. Until next time, be not afraid.